Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Welcome to AFL Nation. The moment arrives. Elliot kicks the goal. Collie will have closed like the Grim Reaper. To Bolton, who runs inside 50, has a bounce, puts the Jets on, and Hook kicks the goal. And the Tigers sprint clear, biggest margin of the game. Danaher from 50 metres out, leaps into it and never looked like missing. He comes in. For Eugle Hagen, couldn't take the mark. They swoop. Boats and pay! The dogs are winning. Oh, don't tell me. Caleb's a wrong on the siren. He turns, he steps, he goes. Hawkins has kicked five. Wheels out to the right. Max gives it the lots. Oh, it's raucous at the G now. Demons fans out of their seats to salute the skipper. Welcome to AFL Nation. Good evening from the MCG on what has been a momentous day in public life. The passing of Queen Elizabeth II has been felt right across the globe and acutely so in the Commonwealth and it has shaped so many emotions in Australia throughout the day. It does call to mind events at this ground, the 2006 opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games and some beautiful archival vision, black and white, from 1970 of a VFL game staged in front of the Queen, Richmond and Fitzroy, a motorcade before the game. The player greetings. John Schultz was designated as the liaison to explain the game to the Queen and a day that does live in AFL-VFL history. A minute silence will be observed at the ground before this semi-final. The flags are at half-mast and should events conspire the Brownlow medal will be moved if it's a Monday funeral in England and uh, the AFL will move probably to the Sunday night for the Brownlow medal so that uh, all the broadcasters can take the funeral for the head of state of Australia the Queen's passing and we may very well in the next couple of hours hear from King Charles III for the first time and should that transpire we'll share a little bit of that with you. Jared Waitley with you for AFL Nation. Anthony Hudson's with me. Hello, hello. Hello, Jared, and good evening, everyone. An unbelievable round of finals footy last weekend. Let's hope it continues this weekend. It really is a momentous day, isn't it, for, I mean, almost everyone that would be listening. Uh, she has been the Queen, the head of state, at least um, from an overall point of view, for our entire lives. And my 16-year-old daughter this morning woke me up with the news. So it, it's 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 gone through the whole generations, hasn't it? And um, you can add to those lists the 1977 centenary test where she, uh, Dennis Lilly famously asked for her autograph, which she was not allowed to give. But later on, I had the pleasure of talking to Dennis, interviewing Dennis about his uh, career here at the MCG for the MCC. And 
He detailed how she later sent him the, the autograph and he still had it, has it pride of place in his home. So, uh, I mean, it, she's visited uh, 16 times. Yeah. She, she visited Australia, quite phenomenal. So, um, yeah, it is, a, it is a significant day and um, different, but I was in a commentary box not far from here when uh, before the renovations in 1997 when the passing of uh, Princess Diana. And that was, I mean, that was a more, because of the, the age, obviously, that was a, a, a more of a... Um, well, more of a significant death and more of an outpouring of emotion at the time, but uh, never forget it. No, I remember listening to you that day and, uh, and you were the one who conveyed the news. Jared Healy, welcome. Thank you, Jared. It's, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, what a giant of our lifetime. Uh, and when you're my age, 60, she's been one of the great constants. I'm still battling with my memory as to whether I was at that particular game. It, it, it does ring a bell. I can't remember the Queen being paraded around, but... I have some vague memory of being at uh, the game, Richmond and Fitzroy, and what struck me was how few people were there to uh, salute the, the Queen. Now, that may be a, a memory from TV, but for some reason, I get the feeling my grandfather who barracked for Richmond might have dragged me along. Yep. It's beautiful vision to it is, watch, It is, isn't yeah. It? And gentlemen, John would have done uh, a magnificent job uh, parlaying uh, our thoughts of uh, this silly game and uh, <laughs> how the... I wonder if... I wonder if the Queen was a bit perturbed about prior opportunity back then. <laughs> well, Richmond with the, Kevin Bartlett always tells stories around it, and Richmond with the Premiers the year before, and they got beaten by Fitzroy, yep. so he wasn't too happy about that. And Nathan Jones rounds out our quartet tonight. Hello, Nathan. Hi, guys. Nice to be back, and uh, it's one of those moments for me, same as all of you, a constant uh, figure in all of our lives, really. And uh, it's I remember waking up when Princess... Diana passed, and and that day I will never forget it. And again today, just the ho- how it all unfolds and how you find out. Just like a double take at my phone this morning when I saw the headline pop up, I couldn't believe it. And um, yeah, it's obviously with great sadness, but uh, you know I'm sure I'm sure she'll be celebrated, uh, you know, significantly over the you know coming week or so. Yeah, she's so intertwined in our sporting history through Commonwealth Games and through cricket. Uh, there wouldn't be many Australian captains who wouldn't have guided her down that line at some point or another. Uh, there's there's great photos with John Eels and his Wallabies around World Cups. Racing uh, was their passion, though, wasn't it? Really? Yes, it was. So uh, I was at Royal Ascot the year that Black Caviar won there, and she'd come down into the parade ring in the aftermath, which was highly unusual. And Peter Moody, um, he he was quite worried about the state that Black Caviar was in. Uh, he had in his own sort of outback Queensland way his diagnosis that was she, she was dead set rooted and he needed to get her out of there away from and he walked her around a, a, in a circle and suddenly the queen was there in front of them and she was a tremendous admirer of Black Caviar as she'd hosted the owners during the week um, and they stood and they conversed for a little bit and, and Pete said to her, Mum, would you like to give her a pat? And this is, the Royal Watchers had said this had never happened before and we all watched it, and Black Caviar stepped forward and lowered her head, and the Queen reached out with her gloved hand, and it looked so romantic, and you know the ultimate stamp of gallantry at the end of such a mission. And the truth was, Pete said, "I thought she was going to collapse straight into the Queen's lap. She was so yeah. buggered <laughs> and needed to get out." So that that vision is around today, and that it's a beautiful image. It was probably the best image of of that trip. Pete Ryan's just texted and said uh, she did have a, an impact on umpiring. When you remember Paul Keating put the hand on the back and he said from that day on <laughs> they had to alter the, 
Hands in the back rule. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So that's the, the backdrop to what will transpire tonight. And the Brownlow might need to shuffle to a, a Sunday night to make way. Been on a Sunday night once before for memory, but... Um it, uh, I, I think we, I think that's not a problem. I think the winner will be pretty, pretty happy to get it over and done with a night early. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, the is football. Tony Jones available on the Sunday night, Jared? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, tonight, so we've we've lived large really all week on the giddy excitement of the four games yeah, that were yeah. before us last week. We reconvene. Sometimes the semi-finals can be a little bit flat, and sometimes you actually are happy for them to be flat to give you the prelims yep, that yep. you want. Melbourne and Brisbane is a is a lopsided matchup during the year. We've been together for that. How do we feel coming here tonight? Well, I feel it'd be great if the game's still up for grabs at half time because coming here, it feels like Brisbane fired their shot last week. No Joe Danaher and Melbourne desperate to get their game up and about. I mean, they want a challenge for the flag. Tonight's the night. You don't win it next week. You've got to get your game going and get it your game in good order tonight. And, I, th- I think that somewhere along the line, Melbourne have got to realise that they're the favourites. They are the reigning premiers. Stop playing so negatively going into the forward line. Let's see, let's see the, you know, the real attacking Melbourne, and let's burst and take some risks and get going again because if they don't get going tonight. It's going to be hard to do it uh, next week against the Cats. It'll, it'll be interesting to see I, when the Jones, they've beaten Brisbane with their leading forwards have dominated in those games, um, particularly last time. So I'm not sure what it'll prove, but I think Jared's point's spot on, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I think my concern is that we've it's it's almost created this false sense of their back. Well, I reckon it's twice yeah, now yeah. this year, and uh, I think they've gone on the following week and lost. Uh, you know, they've been it's almost a uh, you know Brisbane faces an element of a hoodoo against Melbourne just because they undo them so significantly. I think they challenge their depth and they play, uh, well, Brisbane in particular, albeit last week they did make a change, which hopefully, you know, as far as shifting the ball off the line, but generally against Melbourne, they've played down the line and Melbourne's eaten them up in the contest. But I, I do agree with you, Jared. The the significant thing for me was the last week against the Swans, I think they just they, they lacked that edge, uh, you know, the aggression and physicality that, you know, they became so syn- synonymous with last yep. last year. Sydney sort of copped a few of their blows and then went back at them harder and Melbourne weren't able to match that. So I think that's the concern for mine. I think there's a sense, an element of ruthlessness that you really want to see from them. Well, quite clearly, everybody understands Melbourne at their best are going to come out the front of stoppages and get it into an open forward line. The leading forwards, Fritch, and Ben Brown, they dominate when Melbourne are that way. That's the way it's set up. And so that's the challenge for the Lions. Can they constrict that ball movement so they get it into a crowded forward line? Because we know that once it's into the crowd forward line, they have been easy to rebound against. And uh, quite similarly on the other end, if you can get the clearance and get it into your forward line, Melbourne struggle and press up, etc. Melbourne are struggling to transition the ball from one end of the ground to the other. I think last week the stats were 40 times they exited D50. Only one time did they score. And so there's some challenges for Brisbane. They, they would know it as much as anybody. They've had two genuine goes and got flogged both times. So what can they produce tonight? How big are the temptation? Straight after the game and the injury last week to Oscar McInerney, the coach said that Darcy yep. Fort was coming in, which and he's been true to his word. Yep. Um, now Danaher's out, and they've replaced him with another big man in Tom Fullerton. Is there was there should there have been a thought to changing their structure? I reckon he would have thought about it, but he's 
pretty much wedded to the structure, so uh, in comes Fullerton. But didn't they look better? They look better to me with the run. I mean, Lyons, I'm not sure uh, what his his situation is, but they look better with more running power to go back in. Robertson came in, did a tagging job. So you neutralise. If they can neutralise Oliver with Robertson, that's that's a huge win. Don't try and neutralise him with Jared Lyons because... Jared Lyon's best game isn't as good as Clayton Oliver's best game. So if he can keep him to under 25 and, uh, you know, no scores, etc., even under 20, and therefore that neutralises um, a negative if Harms does a job or Viney does a job on Lockie Neal. So you've got to just... Sometimes a, a pawn in chess can be just as valuable as a, a knight or a rook if you can lock somebody away, get it in that spot that just locks away a higher rated piece. How significant the absence of Joe Danaher. So every now and then real life intrudes into finals footy. It was it was it Sav Rocker in a, yeah. in a final at He got the police Marvel? escort. That's right. Is so th- And it was Daniel Bradshaw who was one of the first to miss, wasn't he, back before that, I think. I think that's when Lethal came out and said, just be uh, yeah. sensitive as to when and where. Yes. <laughs> so Taylor Duray was right. in that camp last week, evidently. But any parent will tell you there's no there's no time in the arrival of, of children. And so it's come to pass that... I missed uh, one, Jared. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the Calling first Hawthorne versus Port Adelaide. Adelaide. I was stuck. <laughs> and that wasn't a final, was it? No, it wasn't a final. Just, it was just came three weeks earlier than expected. <laughs> Never so, been forgiven, but anyway. <laughs> so Joe's not here. And for... McInerney missing the, mm. so the ruck equation for the fact that he's just kicked the winner. I mean, they're here because of Joe Danner. Yep. Who, he moved from villain to hero across about two minutes of football. Yeah, he's certainly and, a villain on one stage. Final. Um, and not all the villains from last week made it down here, but uh, Joe was down and now he's gone. And that's the great challenge. I mean, if, seriously, if they are. If they can win this, it would be the best win under uh, the coach's tenure by a long way. By a long way, absolutely. Best yeah. win since last week. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably right. But uh, last week they had you know, they had one problem. Now they've got two problems, okay. um, and they're up a they're up against a side that uh, is notionally uh, better than the Tigers. What do you do when the matchup is so loaded against you in recent times? Do you have to? Is well, it... I think you you play on that that storyline of underdog and Nothing no to one's going to give us a chance. It's, and, it's the oldest story in footy. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think they just play on that for sure. And I think that's the concern. I've had this weird feeling in my stomach all week. Like, the definition of insanity would be Brisbane coming here and trying to do the same yeah. thing they've done the last three or four times against Melbourne. Well, that was my point about team selection. I know they've had – it's been enforced, but they've stuck with the same structure. So Yeah, well, that, and that's – I'm not sure. Like I, like I said, I touched on it earlier around. They looked against Richmond. No matter the situation, they were pulling the trigger, trying to get back in the corridor yep. and play really fast. I think teams that have stru- uh, have, you know, I guess beaten Melbourne and tested Melbourne's defen- uh, defensively have been teams that have been able uh, to take the ball off the line and carry it quickly and move the ball fast. And if they if they have that mentality, and then you got to match that with the contest and their defence. They sort of tried to do it early, though, up at the Gabba, didn't they? And they got, yeah, they, they, got they failed a few they, times they, they, and they got gun shy. I don't really reckon they took much. They weren't very bold with that. They sort of tried to maintain possession. They're more stationary kicks. Yeah, than, yeah. rather than, than like yeah. an element of chaos with their ball movement, which is a hell of a lot harder yeah. to defend. So the other lesson, I think, from last week is you've got to tag Salem. 
quarter time last week, we sat here, Sullen was near right best on ground. He'd had nine possessions, possibly ten. Melbourne were dominating, uh, contested ball in the air, and it looked like it was going to be a one-way show. Um, all of a sudden, Ryan Clark knocked on, uh, knocked off Salem. He only had two possessions for yeah, the rest of the game. It was an extraordinary effort. And yet I go through their team and I just don't see the Ryan Clark in it. Now, maybe it'll be Robertson. He doesn't go to Oliver. He may go to the half-forward flank and uh, Jared Berry goes to Oliver. But Or maybe Berry goes to, to Salem. I'm not sure. But if Salem gets a free run, I think to myself, uh, missed opportunity. You just Archie got to knock could him go off. to him, couldn't he? Archie could, but I, I suspect he's going to be on the wing. But um, he could certainly go there and, and do a job. You've got to be able to kick a goal. Archie does kick goals, so maybe it'll be a half-forward role for him. And... You've got to be disciplined, though. You, you can't be half in in those roles. You've got to be, you know, you've got to be obsessive and nail Salem, and every kick's an insult to you. So we'll see. Is your, you'd like the game to be in the balance at halftime. So the Lions have got to give the dynamic a chance to grow on Melbourne, mm. don't they? There's the fear of straight sets, which I think Melbourne will carry lightly into the game unless Brisbane make a flyer and give them something to chase. Yep. And then it's hard to avoid the ramifications. Well, we've spent the whole season plotting for preliminary finals, and there's a, a certain indignity to a, a straight sets exit. Well, there's nothing better than scoreboard pressure, Jonesy. You've got to get them second-guessing, and then all of a sudden the fumbles can come. We saw it last week. It, it just it was a, like at halfway through the third quarter, I was waiting for the, t- the rebound from Melbourne. And even at three-quarter time, I thought there's a rebound coming. Has to be a rebound. Missed some opportunities. Melbourne scored some opportunities. And then it fell away. So there is a capacity for Melbourne to fall away this year that we didn't see last year. And that's the position you're talking about, Jared. You've just got to hang in there long enough to sow the seeds to uh, get that energy plug pulled. And uh, all of a sudden, people stop chasing. People stop doing the manic things that get you across the line. Yeah, it's, I think the, te- the teams they've struggled most with are the ones that are willing enough to go for long enough. And the sustainability of that pressure, we saw that with Sydney. And Sydney have had success Frio's had success. Collingwood's had success. You've just got to hang in there. And, you know, there's opportunities against the Ds for sure. Just on the Brayshaw issue, I know he's played really well. And he, um, he did a great job on Chad Warner sort of covering him last week. But when, when the problem is getting the ball out of defence, it seems counterintuitive that you've taken one of your best kicks away from that position, particularly when you've got You've got a pretty stacked midfield to, you know, cover him, if you like. It's been one of the more interesting things that have happened late in the season, isn't it? It's not often you get a a top team make as significant an adjustment to their structure. Obviously, Salem came back in somewhere along the line. And Hunt's done okay. Not so well last week, but he's he's done pretty well at various stages. That's allowed them to do it. But, you know, for so long, Brayshaw wasn't a midfielder. He was a wingman and then a halfback. And he's had a great year. But, the, yeah, they've done it. And it's kind of – well, it individually has worked. But whether it's Definitely worked for Brayshaw. I mean, yeah. he's, he's had a fantastic five weeks. But it, has it worked for Melbourne is the question I ask. Bowie hasn't come into the side. He was, he's another one that's a beautiful kick. Yeah, I think they're, they're relying on an uplift from Rivers and probably Hunt, I reckon, just looking at the team list. I reckon they're the two – and you add Salem into that. There's your three sort of – either running, line-breaking, or yep. kicking possession halfbacks. And that's where I reckon they've looked at it and thought, hey, can we get a little bit more bang through the midfield? But the concern was you didn't get that last week. You didn't get the, the hunts and the ribbers to the level you'd probably want. Do you put him back there? It's, a, it's an interesting one. Well, 
we'll find out. I don't think they will. I don't, I don't think, think there's been any sign of it in the side. The, the team selection doesn't look that way. Brisbane, if, we, if you're looking for experimentation, I know they've picked the same number of tools, but they can rotate one through the bench. Yep. Yep. And I know Hibbert's had a good job. So how does Charlie how does Charlie well, just put Charlie it? in the goal square? Right. And, so and just saying full forward and say, that's it. We're going with a small full forward. We're going to have lots and lots of pressure. We are going to introduce this element of run, and we're going to rotate our tools through the bench. And you've got one wish for tonight, don't you, Nathan? You want Max Gorn starting in the ruck. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I, I can understand the theory of how it's been working, trying to create that, that second or third tall option, but... With 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 the fluctuation of their form, I just think they they for the reasons you mentioned earlier, if they don't get off to a flyer, how much does that then start to infiltrate their psyche? So, put your best players in the middle and and foot to the throat from the first minute. So I, I compare it a little bit to Dangerfield and Selwood starting on the bench, which if Geelong had lost, I'm sure would have had a lot more of discussion post match than what it did. Particularly from you, Geelong. Well, probably. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't love it. Uh, just, I just didn't un- really understand why both of them were on the bench for the first three quarters, and then they wilted a little bit, and Selwood started. And I understand. What's of, the rationale? Was well, Scotty uh, challenged through the week on it? What? Uh, no, no, I don't think he's been anywhere this okay. week. Yeah, so. just I imagine it's just sort of the the, the, the fresh. You know, they've managed Joel all year, but yep. so they and their other other mid when Blitzarves is is there as a tagger, and then Atkins comes back in. There's not as many spots. Mm. Guthrie is one of their first rate midfielders, but Selwood and Dangerfield are still their best two centre clearance players. So it was interesting at the very least, and it's a similar similar thing in a way with Gorn. Like, yeah, are you trying to accommodate Jackson, or are you what what exactly are you doing? Yeah, and that's I think that experiment from my view. Is yeah, I can see why, but not now, not now at all. Right? But get him in there. He's the best ruckman in the competition. Is it maybe now more powerful? Now you bring him back, and he's well potentially yeah. And that, that's what I'm getting at. If I think they need to make a statement and quickly to gain ascendancy early on in the game. Ado paid you to say that, didn't he? He was just desperate to find an avenue to whack Scotty over playing. <laughs> I wasn't to whack Scotty over playing the two guns on the bench. If there's – who's the more likely, Fremantle or Brisbane in your mind? I think Fremantle. Yeah, I think Fremantle. And that's not having a crack at Brisbane. I just think Fremantle's – I think Fremantle's uh, season, they've played top-end football. I know Brisbane were on top of the ladder, but I was never really convinced at, at their absolute pedigree just yet at the present time. I think their midfield needs some work, and uh, they've got a, the first rounder going up there, Ashcroft, next year, and that's certainly going to help. But um, – when you're, when you're missing a couple of guns, a couple of uh, you know, guys that determine results, then I think Frio are uh, more of a chance. I don't think you know, they're coming in as underdogs as well, but of the two, Frio for me. I, I, I tend to agree as well. I, um, I do have this, as I mentioned before, that you know, feeling in my stomach about Brisbane, but if you were to just lay them out right now, team lists and form, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I think Frio stack up for mine. Should Frio travel with the the confidence that what they do could unsettle Collingwood? Oh, I think so. They're a good side, Frio. They're a really good side. They're, uh, you know, there's no Monday. Uh, sorry, there's there's no um, Fife in the side. So, but he hasn't been there all year. So I don't really have any great concerns about that. They've got a good midfield, a growing midfield, a, 
a midfield with a lot of character. They've got so much pace. And they've got one of the best defences in the competition. So they're going to be in it. They're, they're genuinely coming here with a you know fair income chance of winning. I think everyone's going to tip Collingwood unless you're a, you've got the purple haze uh, running through your brains. But uh, definitely they've got a big chance. And on this ground, they're built for this ground. They've got the leg speed. They've got the running power. They've got the mobility. Now, they're a chance. They're a real good chance. For mine, the reliance is no longer on Fife. I think he's a, he, he's a bonus if he gets back. But their their system now is so team orientated, and the, I think the skill and talent they have through that midfield group. Like Brayshaw's had an unreal year, but Sarong's last what yeah. five? Oh, six his year's weeks? been good. His year's been elite, yeah. but I've I've just really noticed a significant step up, and the, his performance last week was incredible. I just think, I still think if you go back to their backline, that's as good a backline as is in the competition. You know they have got three talls. Ryan's still an underrated player, and they've got these three really quick rebounding players that are all good with their feet. So, and they've got a you know they've got options to throw extras in there. So they're going to be they're going to be up for the fight. What do you think of the idea of coming across the country and camping here, and for as long as it lasts, they're uh, they're staying on the east coast? Well. I don't mind. I actually thought about that uh, during the week. I was like, if they win, do they go or do they stay? I reckon, yeah, I think it's a good... It's, so they are doing that, obviously, yep. yeah. So I think it's a great idea, to be honest. I, you think that's a post-COVID thing? That it's, Yeah, I reckon it never would have been countenance before COVID. I think they're very, you know, they're very aware of how much it takes out of your flying. I mean, Mick Malthouse talks about it, and the 300-game target took so long to breach because of that. Um. So I think it's an inevitability, and I think they'll do it. They'll do it more if there's, you know, two games. They may instead of there's a game here and a game in Sydney. They may just stay here and go to Sydney, rather than going across the country all that often. That sets us up for the two semi-finals that are coming. Our Coates Hire commentary team tonight: Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy, and Nathan Jones. Coates, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. We'll touch base with both teams, the Demons and the Lions, in our build-up. We'll talk the issues of the week next. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles $25,000 advertising giveaway. Icanwin.com.au. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. It is second semi-final night at the MCG. Melbourne hosting the Brisbane Lions for the right to face Geelong at this ground next Friday night. Welcome back to AFL Nation. We are in the Coates Hire commentary box. Coates, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. Joe Danaher, a late withdrawal during the day. Uh, the birth of a child, so he stayed home in Brisbane. It's caused a, a bit of an alteration in their side. Tom Fullerton comes in, and we'll wait to see who they're going to land as the sub. So a lot to, to transpire tonight. We'll talk to the president uh, and, uh, and a member of the coaching staff at the Lions as well before we get into our business. But uh, some of the broader issues of the week. So Essendon's coaching process. Uh, Leon Cameron's not going to participate in that. He was contacted by the Bombers uh, in recent days, but he's going to stay with his original plan. That's to remain in Sydney next year, to take a breather from senior coaching, to develop on a personal front for a future opportunity. But he is going to stay active in footy in Sydney. And Tom Harley told us last week that the, the Swans were going to meet with him. And I suspect we'll learn in the next 48 hours 
what that looks like with Leon Cameron and the Swans. But he's not going to participate in the in the Essendon process. It was erroneously reported yesterday that he was interested. That's not the case. Well, I think it's a win for Sydney because I'll end up, uh, I suspect, with him uh, running their junior programs. And, uh, you know, that's a fantastic way for him to stay, but also a great... Uh, a great asset for not just the club because the club doesn't pick up each and every one of the kids that come through, but uh, just for developing talent up in New South Wales and Sydney specifically. But it makes it skinny, uh, doesn't it, for experienced coaches. Don Pike's probably the only one left, I think, uh, that's you know recently been in the game, unless they go and headhunt somebody that we don't know. And that doesn't sound likely at this stage. No, so they lost the opportunity of Ross Lyon during the week yep. when, when he made his call. So, yeah, the, the starting point of what they were hoping for um, looks less likely. Yes, it, it does. I thought Ross Lyon was the standout candidate. I thought he was the perfect person to come in and bring the club together, you, you know, unite the place. But I'm not sure what went wrong because he was he was strongly against actually putting himself in there, whether or not he felt that he didn't have full support or it was just he's not in that headspace at the present time. I'm not sure, but uh, it's certainly now there's there's two really top line coaches that they've missed out on that would have I think um, short circuited the, the the messy look about the place at the moment. Do you think Ross Lyon will coach again? Um, I'm not sure. I thought the great affinity was for him and Carlton. I, I thought that uh, if that had have gone smoothly, he'd be one year in. Um, Essendon, I thought, was another one that's a standout for him. So each year that goes past, yeah. it's it becomes more unlikely that he did. I've got no doubt he could walk in and do it. I mean, I haven't got a problem with him having to learn this or do that. You know, he he knows footy as well as anybody I've ever met. So he he would be able to pick it up in a year's time or two years' time. But it would, you know, for every year that goes past, it's it's growing unlikely, which is a shame. So where does it leave Essendon? Do we think? Uh, so it will leave them with that, their... Yeah, it will leave them with that excellent group of young emerging coaches, Adam Muse, Jamie Graham, Ash Hansen, uh, to work And there's plenty with. of them. Yeah. There's some really good talent and out there. You could there. really discover a, a, the next gem in there. So that you know, that they, they slightly altered their language around their experience, did yep. a deep C V, not just senior coaching. But there was no doubt on the day that it all went down. They they were hoping yeah. to land a, a senior coach, a big name, which sort of justifies the the axing of the uh, the incumbent. But look, Jamie Graham's a standout. You talk to anybody from the West Coast, he's ready to go. Um, Adam Uze's, you know, he's got the similar reputation. Ash Hansen has got enormous credits in the bank, and you know they're, they're going to make fine senior coaches. It it would appear as if Essendon just have to somehow mend their own rift, or you know, like get. Get their act together, and that's Dave Barham's job. Pull this club together and give the next coach a chance. On a trade front, so blockbuster move by Richmond. It to, was. To have Tim Taranto and Jacob Hopper both nominate together. Uh, the way that it's done, it's so seven years for each, yep. which I thought was extravagant in the Taranto case. Yep. And I mean, that's just the jackpot for Hopper. There's this really interesting part of the football economy that is players who were drafted to the Giants yes. who got contracts either to stay or to leave that they never would have got in the natural course of their football life. Yep. But by being part of the Giants' drafts, the it just opens up the There's possibilities. Too, isn't there? there is. 
Like, and Hopper's not a young prospect either. Is he's well into his thirties by the time the seven years is up? Yes, it's a look. He's a, they're both terrific players. So, but you need a lot of midfielders to make a really good club. As against going getting Jeremy Cameron, who, by virtue of the position he plays and how talented he is, he's he's justified so far the, you know, the swapping of draft picks, which wasn't just three first rounders because there were second rounders coming back. But it's a strong move by Geelong as well. To, to not bow and not uh, bastardise their their salary cap and their, their the bands with it with with uh, with in which they pay, and ultimately that's the reason why they're able able to be here because yeah. the Giants did that. You know they have they have unfortunately probably been caught out by the banning of Cola to some degree, but also overpaying midfielders that uh, haven't taken them to the promised land. They've got two or three guys on... That was a decade ago, though, wasn't it? That was a year after Franklin. What's that, the Cola? Cola, yeah. But I think these things have still impacted. Yeah. Uh, was that a decade ago yeah, now? Yeah, it was. Okay, yeah. it was too. So they've signed up Keneally on huge money and uh, Kelly on huge money, etc. And the, the lessons to be learned is you've just... And it's difficult up there because you have to pay overs in some respects. So I feel, in, you know, I feel for the the Giants, but that's their lot in life. They You still have to have a manageable salary cap. Otherwise, people will go. So d- d- is, the broader, is the broader issue one that Kingy talked about today to be alarmed about, that the too many players, like the, the free agency, and, and we've seen the drain from the Gold Coast, and then with a view to Tassie, are they going to be any different, or are they going to become another virtual academy of mm. players that the Victorian clubs then feast on? Well, that's history, isn't it? History is telling us that, and already uh, Brayden Friarini is on the pies list. I mean, I don't think he's excelled strongly enough. I don't enough. think he quite fits the same, unless well, yeah, unless he comes down and becomes. But he's been star. on huge money, though. Yeah. I mean, they're all they've all been signed up to keep the group together on big money, and that has distorted uh, their salary cap to some degree. Um, but managing it, you look at Geelong. And you say, okay, you've got to go down that track. If you look at Richmond, you've got to. If you're going to bring in somebody who's a hundred thousand over, you've got to get one of your senior players to take a hundred thousand less. So you just keep it all nice and manageable, and we can just keep this machine rolling over. I mean, I I, I look back on when the Giants came in, and I think it was Matt Rendell who is the only person alive. So I'm going to start with a positive for Matt. The only person alive that tipped Collingwood to be as good this year as they were, but. There was a photo on the front page of the Herald Sun of 10 grand final cups. And the view amongst the recruiters was that they were going to win 10 flags out of the next 10 or 15. And given that they had some early success, the AFL Commission, uh, in their lack of wisdom, quickly gave back the recruiting zone. Yeah. And it was a short side. It was exactly what happened in Sydney in the 80s in many, in many respects. You know, a little bit of success, so quickly, dramatically, get the mafia, the Melbourne mafia, chop, chop, chop. And that, you know, that was such a, you know, a, a poor-sighted uh, decision so early in the piece as if they were going to win all these flags when, in, in fact, that would have been a smart way of, you know, guaranteeing there was this constant flow. It doesn't always go in there because it, some of it comes back out. But, now I think I think we've got a long way to go to make sure that that's a a stable club, and get the very best out of that club. Is that the path back to premiership contention for Richmond next year, those two players? Oh, they're definitely in contention, yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're two terrific players. I mean, one can 
Tarana can play, you know, the dusty role in some respects. I know some people are saying he's got the tank, he can, he can run defensively like Shane Edwards. So he's a multi-talented player. Hopper, Hopper's a good inside player. You know, he's going to be the Cochin replacement in, in many respects. So it takes a lot, of, a lot of things to go right to be in premiership contention. But uh, picking up two midfielders, A-grade midfielders, a good start. AFL Nation, when we take your feedback across the weekend, it will be on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plans. Second semi-final tonight at the MCG, it is Melbourne and the Brisbane Lions. Let's get our sports bet updates with Georgie Parker. It's time for an odds update. Thanks to Sportsbet. Sportsbet's bet with mates. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Georgie, welcome. What's uh, what's the market say tonight? Oh, well, obviously Danaher's massive out, isn't it? So Brisbane, they did start at $3.18, but they've pushed out to $4.30. Melbourne was starting at $1.30.80ish, and now they're $1.21. So not too much value in that head-to-head. But good to note, Brisbane obviously don't play well at the MCG, but they obviously as well don't play well against Melbourne. Their last four matches... Melbourne have won by an average winning margin of over 40 points. A little bit more value if you look at the line, which is at 25.5 points, or for 40-plus, if you're that confident, $2.75. I don't know about that, considering how our finals have gone, though, the last last week's final, and that total points line, 165.5 points as well, both high-scoring teams. Have you been studying the goal scorers for tonight? Well, yeah, Ben Brown, three-plus goals for him. He's $3.10. Obviously, his form has been in and out this season, but seven of his last 11 matches against Brisbane, he has had more than three goals. So I like that price. Charlie Cameron, though, he's a big stage player, isn't he? So his last six finals, he's had 18 goals in them, including five goals against Melbourne in their last final they played against each other, and he's $3.60. I'm interested as well in Max Gorn. For him to get a couple of goals, this maybe his prelim last year where he would have kicked five, $4.30 for him to have two or more goals. He's spending a little bit more time in that forward line as well because Jackson's taking a little bit more of that rucking position. So Max Gorn, $4.30 for two or more goals. And what's your best of the night, Georgie? Best of the bet of the day. Stephen May for me for 20 or more disposals. It's paying $1.89. He was starting at $2. It's drifted right in. Brisbane, they don't kick straight. He takes the kick out. So he's getting a free stat whenever they miss. So I'm chucking him into my same game multi. I'm going Melbourne at the line and then the over total points. And that's going to give me a same game multi price of $4.75. So I like that one. But obviously, everyone, I want you to make sure you enjoy it, but gamble responsibly. Georgie, thank you. All thanks to Sportsbet Gamble Responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The Melbourne president is going to join us next. Kate Roffey in the box here at the MCG. Score the ultimate listening experience with Sonos. There's game-changing daily, weekly and major prizes to be won. Enter at iCanWin.com.au. AFL Nation at the MCG. Melbourne and the Brisbane Lions in the second semi-final. Our Coats Hire commentary team tonight. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones, coach, we're more than higher, we're equipped for anything. And we're joined by the Melbourne president, Kate Roffey. Kate, great to have you in the box. Oh, it's fantastic to be here. It's the best view in the ground, I reckon, here up here in the, the commentary boxes. So, yeah, it's um, exciting to be here and another exciting night for the Melbourne Football Club. How do you go with sudden death finals? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm pretty calm. I'm probably the calmest person I know. I think I, my job's done, so I can't do anything more from up here. So I just believe in them and I trust them to do their job out there. And uh, if they do their job out there, I'll be very happy... Um, 
come the end of the evening. So, Are you as optimistic now as you might have been at various stages during the year? Yeah, look, um, if they play as well as they can, then, you know, they're, they're as good a team as we've seen um, in the competition for a while. So it's up to them and it really is, you know, it's a learning phase. Every single game that you lose is a learning thing. I don't think, um, if, for example, if we hadn't have lost that game to Collingwood, we don't win the game against Carlton because talking to the players, they said we watched that last few minutes so many times and then you get the, exactly the same thing almost the next week against Carlton and they pull out a win. So it's a learning experience. They will have learned a lot last week from from Sydney and particularly that learning that when you're, when you're on top, then you bec- you're the hunted and um, you're always being hunted by someone. And I don't expect that Brisbane will come out and play the same games that they've played against us during the year. That hasn't worked for them. So we expect to get something different. Who knows what that will be, but um, they've got to be ready for that. Kate, is there such a thing as the presidential phone where you pick it up and you say to Simon Goodwin, gone in the ruck at <laughs> yeah. the opening bounce? I don't. I, I know my role. I play my role, which is not doing the coaching. <laughs> I do check in um, with them, you know, what's happening just out of yeah. interest and how their injuries are going, how they're feeling. But no, I certainly don't give my um, opinion on that. Otherwise, if it goes wrong, it could be my fault. So well, Jamesy, I must steer clear of that. Your former captain, uh, Nathan Jones, uh, <laughs> delivered that same message. But uh, do, you, do you get a briefing? Does the coach give you a briefing in, the, I guess, the uh, the inner sanctum? Yeah, look, I get as much information as I, as I want to have and as I feel um, I need to have. I spent, um, just before we, we came into our AFL function here, I was chatting to Purdy um, just in the office while we were waiting to go to the function and we chat, all, we chat away all the time. And But like I said, I know my role. My role is to do the off-field stuff and to make sure it's as calm and as, as comfortable as it can be for them to execute on the field, whether it's our men or our women or our VFL team. And um, I certainly don't. Nathan Jones, but Jonesy is much more... Um, you know, well credentialed to give an opinion on who should be playing in the ruck than me, so I'll trust Jonesy on that one. How many will be here tonight? Uh, the MCC tell me uh, they reckon around sixty or so, okay. sixty thousand. They're usually pretty good at the um, at the estimation, so expecting a good crowd. It was a, a momentous week with the television rights deal signed, four point five billion dollars, yeah. adding seven years to two years. What was your view of what transpired there? Uh, you know, it's extraordinary the the actual interest in this game. I mean, the, the women's game's growing. We've I've, people say, oh, you know, you good to play Friday night, you get a rest, and I say, well, I've got VFL tomorrow in the prelim final. I've got women's on Sunday, so we don't have a rest. But that's the strength of VFL. And I, my back, I work in sport. You know, I'm a CEO in sport and I know that the the AFL is so much bigger than most other sports um, in Australia and to have that level of money and interest in in our sport really bodes well for the future because we have taken an absolute hammering from COVID like a lot of a lot of um, industry has and so that that massive big um, deal will help you know restore some of that particularly in the coffers that we need for should something like that happen again going forward so well done to to Gill and, and to Lewis Martin and the group because I think they've done an extraordinary thing for AFL and it sets us up really well for the next seven, eight years. So when when do you learn what the, the club cuts are? When do you start to make your plans? Yeah, we won't get flows? that. We won't get that for a while. We're still in the current two-year yep. um, deal, so we won't uh, get that for a little while. Probably not until we get later into post-season, earlier into next year, and we'll have a president's meeting and we'll find out a bit more about what... Um, what the proposals are in terms of where money's going to go. There's a lot of community. There's obviously some work that needs to be done in the, the women's game, particularly around facilities and the, and the fields that they play on. So we won't know that for a, for a little while. Get through finals first. I think everyone's sort of uh, focused on, on footy. And for my, people go, oh, you must be so busy. I'm like, actually, a lot of other stuff stops now while we just focus on finals and on, you know, mostly at functions and, and doing media and things like that. So it's such a great time of year to be around. Have you got a strong view on what the priorities should be? 
I, I do think we really do need to address the women's, um, particularly the grounds they play on. I mean, we see when they play on good grounds that they actually they score a lot more, they can execute their skills a lot more. When you're playing in community sort of venues that have got very open um, and they're affected by the elements, the wind in particular and things, they can't execute as well as they can. So I do think that we need to invest in some, in some good purpose-built grounds for for the women's game. And then the community, I'm, really, I'm a huge fan of building the Indigenous game in, in the... Northern Territory in the, in the northern part of South Australia, we spend a lot of time out there and I had the, the huge privilege of taking our Premiership Cup out on a tiny little plane with a couple of our players who were all very bad flyers, so I spent most of my time holding hands and saying, well, we, it's just a bump, but um, that was such an extraordinary experience and to see how much they benefit from something like that, I'd really love to see us doing more for the community out in um, remote areas because they really don't have anything. Can I Tasmania, ask you what, what does it do to the picture of Tasmania, which I take it you're still waiting to see? Yeah, we haven't, we haven't actually seen anything um, on... I know everyone keeps asking us as presidents. We haven't actually seen anything on that and we don't know anything around um, the media or how it might impact, um, particularly a 19th team. Um, it's not so much where it is, it's um, you've... You know, who wants to have a buy in the first round of the... I certainly won't be putting my hand up for that one for the club. So it does make a lot of difficulties there that you've got to sort out. So I think there's a lot for us to look at before we understand what the media might do, for, for example, for a Tasmanian team. From a philosophical perspective, though, if the AFL tick it off, if the executive and the commission tick it off, do you feel as if you almost uh, have to support them? Oh, we would, I would certainly. Look, my background is in facility development. I did a billion-dollar deal for the redevelopment of the tennis centre, so I certainly know about this um, space. And I would be asking, we all are asking questions, just how is it going to work? Mm. And I think it's um, imperative on us as, as those who are here at the time to actually ask those questions and make sure it is actually going to work um, for everyone, including a Tasmanian team, if there should be one. So, you know, it really is a, it was a, it's a question around um, 19 teams as well. It's not just where, where it is. Mm. It's actually how do you cope with an uneven, uneven number of teams in a, in a competition that's already an extremely long competition. Do, do you think you'll get something in the final series or do you think this is now a post-season... I, actually, I've, you guys probably keep a closer touch on it to know what's happening. I, I actually don't. We'll get it when we when we get it. We don't have anything yet, and that's as honest as I can um, tell you. And like I said, my background is in that space. I'd certainly be looking at it um, to make sure that it's going to actually work and be sustainable in the in the long run. Kate, it's good to see you. Good luck for tonight. Thank you very much. Let's go, D's. Kate Roffey is the president of Melbourne. Tomorrow's car is available today, a selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech drive a Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. We'll head into the Brisbane camp next. This is the pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. 50 minutes to the opening siren at the MCG. Melbourne and the Brisbane Lions in the second semi-final. When we travel, we pack our Samsonite gear, unpack the world with Samsonite. Visit samsonite.com.au. The Lions are the travellers tonight. It hasn't been without event the past 24 hours. Danny Daly is the Lions' GM of footy. Danny, great to have you on AFL Nation. 
Thanks for having me, gentlemen. How did the scenario with Joe Danaher play out? Oh, he woke me up this morning. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't happy with him. Uh, phone rang pretty early, about, I don't know, 8 o'clock, quarter to 8. Um, and he just let us know that, obviously, his partner was um, in labour, so... Uh, yeah, it was pretty quick from there. Booked in, or he automatically booked his own fights and he rushed back at 10 o'clock and we haven't heard since, so we're not sure what's going on. But, you know, it's one of those things we uh, we didn't expect it to happen so quickly. When we left on Thursday, um, everything was all good and, um, you know, they were booked in for Monday to get it done. But, um, yeah, it happened all like, quickly overnight. So he's back in Brisbane and hopefully all is well there. So it's a joyous moment in life. It's a disruptive moment in footy. Is uh, How did you go to work on that front? Oh, look, um, you know, we got onto it pretty quickly, you know. The reality is um, we knew he was going back quickly, so, uh, you know, uh, we let Fags know, so that was an interesting phone call in itself. Um, and then we got to work, you know. We told Tommy Ford and he was straight in. We let all the playing group know and the staff, and, uh, you know, the message was, you know, it is what it is, and let's just get on with it and keep preparing for tonight. And and uh, wish Joe and his partner all the best. So uh, it was handled quite quickly, and the club got a statement out. Uh, pretty quickly also so yeah we did the best we could and as quickly as we could so danny will you stick with the three tools or will you rotate the tools off the bench given how wonderful you looked in the pressure stakes with the uh slightly more fleet of foot forward line yeah well um we're going to start tommy forward on the bench and start with two key forwards and um rotate the ruckman on and off the bench and uh you might be stages through the evening where we go with three tools but i think for most of the night it'll be the two tools and uh, you know, the smalls down there, which uh, worked well for us last week. So what would you have done if Joe had been there? The same thing, rotate them through the bench? Because you just looked as if you were a better side with the more pace, both defensively and in attack. Yeah, we, we had planned to, to do that. Probably not to the extent that we're going to do it with uh, young Tommy Ford and come in, but yep. we had planned to go small for periods of the game, um, probably 50-50. Um, but as you guys know, it's one of those things, you start with small forward line, and if it works for you, well... You know, the poor old big man just stays on the bench and um, work the Ruckman over. So, um, yeah, the plan was the same, but it's probably going to be a little bit more in terms of the small forward line now. You went through the corridor, you took some risks. It looked as if it was not going to work, and then finally it did work. I, I assume that you're going to be invigorated by that and uh, continue to risk losing to, to win by nailing those kicks inside the forward inside the corridor. Yeah, no doubt. Um, again, um, you're on the money with that. We um, we took some risks last week. Sometimes they didn't come, but they did come off late in the game for us, which was good. So, you know, the reality is, um, even though we got scored against heavily last week, we scored heavily. So, um, we'll, we'll keep um, attacking the game and yep. keep playing that brand and uh, hopefully we can get enough scoreboard pressure on Melbourne to, um, to win us the game. Other than what Jared's already alluded to, what what other things do you have to do different, given the direct the history that the D's have over you? Ah, uh, look again. Um, you guys speak about it a lot, and you're on the money. Like we've we've been disappointing the last couple of times against Melbourne, and actually embarrassed a couple of times. So, you know, the reality is that um, you can do a couple of things about it. We can go down that same path again, or you know, we can go out and uh, action it differently and, and win the contest and, and get the ball in our front half and keep it in there with our with our energy and our pressure and and our defence. So, you know, most of the week this week has been spent on our, our defence and our pressure and what we need to bring tonight against um, Melbourne to, to hopefully get a better result, but, um, you know, bring our best foot forward and, and put on a show. And is there still a place for the old John Northey, us, us against them, and the you know, football world's giving us no chance, and now we've lost Joe, and come on, fellas, bit of that, <laughs> or not really? Well, no, there is, you know, like, at the end of the day, it, that's footy, that's how we've known it, that's what we've grown up with, and 
there is a bit of that. We're, we're under no illusion that no one gives us a, a real chance tonight, and, that, and that's fair enough too. You know, we haven't performed well against Melbourne in the last couple of times, so um, why would there be people giving us any chance? But yeah, it is us against them, and you know, we've lost Joe and uh, and all that sort of stuff. So you know, it'd be one of our greatest wins in history if we can get up tonight. So why not sell that message? And yeah, we've we've mentioned that a little bit, but. Again, it's in our players' actions and, you know, we can do all the talking and I can do all the talking here to you guys, but, you know, we've got to put it into into practice on the field tonight. Any chance that Will Ashcroft could be a late inclusion? That would be very nice, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, like, uh, we did mention that to the AFL when he decided to come to us, if yep. he could play the last few games with us. Um, He's a fine young player, that man, so um, something to look forward to for the Brisbane Lions fans next year. Just going back to last week and uh, the job that Sydney did on the Melbourne Footy Club. I mean, there's some lessons to be learned. One of them would appear to be you've got to tag Salem. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that you've got to try and shut down Oliver. How, how are you going to spread the load there? I mean, Robertson was really good last week uh, in the in the running with Roll, so I guess he's in the uh, in the slot for one. Berry can can do it both ways if you like. Um, is Archie a potential lockdown on Salem? Yeah. Look, um, our forward line. Uh, it'll be one at the start where whoever he goes to will have the responsibility. Sometimes it's hard initially at the start of the game to get that match-up if you, if you can't get it. So um, the reality is that, you know, if he starts on Link McCarthy, for example, like that's Link's job for that period of time until yep. we can work through how we can get it done. But certainly Cal Archie um, is obviously playing tonight and he's in the side for that type of role. So okay. he'll be someone we'll look at um, to do that role. But, yeah, we've uh, got a couple of plans in place for him and, and also for Oliver, who's such a fantastic footballer and... Uh, you know, if we can shut those two down um, with little effect, I mean, they'll still get the footy, but it's the effect they have with the football that's important. So, yeah, we've got a couple of things in place for those guys. And Lockie Neal, if he's being trounced, he can't get near the ball. Do you move him forward or do you just stick with it and uh, hope he works his way through the game? Well, um, I think the first port of call is working your way through the game. Yeah. Um, you know, Lockie's got that ability to be able to do that. A couple of games this year he hasn't been, but, you know, we can do some things like, you know, put him forward and bring him up as a fifth and and do all those things or get someone to go to his opponent. But, you know, the reality is we want him to fight the fight first and hopefully he can get his hands on the footy first and uh, get rid of the tag early. But, again, you know, there's a few things in place that uh, if he's not involved, uh, that we can get him involved because it's it's super important, as you guys saw last week, that he can get involved in the game for us. How did he come to play 100% game time in the second half last week? Um, It was sort of a a conversation. I talked to Fags, obviously, during the game. He's on the bench and I'm in the box. And uh, he started the third quarter... Uh, exceptionally well and about five or six minutes through we started talking about you know Lockie Neal like what do we do and we should keep him on and I said well we'll just keep him on and tell him to come off if he wants to come off and he never came off so um, yeah I think you know it's interesting with the modern footballers the rotation system and all that but if you asked them they'd be happy to stay out there the whole quarter you know so um, he was happy to do it and you know he performed exceptionally well and um, pulled up really well so again he'll just get the license to, to do what he wants tonight come on when he off when he wants and um, we'll see how that plays out Danny a couple of weeks back it was an ill-tempered affair do, do you think everyone will mind their P's and Q's a little bit in the aftermath of that? I hope so because the next few days was ridiculous for me so <laughs> um, already had a chat to Zorks tonight about this but um, yeah I think uh, you, know, you never know but I think it'll be pretty quiet we expected it last week and it didn't happen and again the reality is um you know, our players, for whatever reason, went out and did what they did a couple of weeks ago, and it doesn't get you anywhere. You've got to go out and attack the contest and attack the pill and 
you know, let your football do the talking. So hopefully our boys can just do that tonight and concentrate on the ball. And, you know, if Melbourne want to say anything, well, that's up to them. We won't respond. But uh, hopefully we can uh, put in a great performance tonight for our, you know, our, our supporters and members and for the crowd here tonight. Let's hope so. Danny, thanks for your time and good luck. Thanks, boys. Appreciate you having me on. Danny Daly, the GM of footy with the Brisbane Lions. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Bit of old bull, young bull, perhaps, in the lead-up to this next. The teams are in, so that the change was made earlier in the day. Joe Danaher is out. Tom Fullerton comes in. The subs are Reese Matheson for the Lions and Joel Smith for the Demons. This is the pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. AFL Nation with the teams going through their warm-ups down below us, Brisbane and Melbourne. Our luggage partner is Samsonite. We'll be on the road next Saturday for an SCG preliminary final with the Swans to host the winner of Collingwood and Fremantle. Unpack the world with Samsonite. Visit samsonite.com.au. A bit of old bull, young bull. Old bull, what did you think of the, the magnitude of the TV rights, having worked in television since your playing days came oh, to a close? Unbelievable number, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, I mean, we used to speak in millions. Now we're talking in billions. It's, uh, it's an extraordinary number, and let's hope that uh, in 10 years' time we see the advantages of it uh, being seen at many layers right throughout. I'll tell you who... Uh, who uh, it did have an impact on, and that's a few people up in Sydney. Andrew Webster, uh, in his column in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald, he, he was almost miffed that we uh, got so much money. It, it's, it's amazing how this can all be seen through the lenses of, oh, how much is rugby league missing out? Did Peter Vlandis do the wrong thing in signing through the pandemic? So they're absolutely on the defensive, and Gill's... You know, he's, he's ignored the baited hook that they've thrown out to him half a dozen times, and uh, he has come home triumphant uh, extraordinarily well. Really has, hasn't yeah. he? It is, yeah, I mean, you've lived in Sydney, so you understand. You only have to be out there for a couple of weeks to sort of understand the different perspectives, don't you? And, well, and now, a, we can, now we can see it from afar. Well, there's very much at the rugby league perspective. I mean, I think it's the really hardcore. Most people, I think, uh, are just thrilled for both sports to be doing particularly well. But uh, in my first year up there when we won six games in a row, we had uh, Wayne Pearce giving us tackling practice and the edict came out and it was on the back page of the paper, no more helping the Swans. It came from head office. So Pearce. Yeah, off. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, there is that element of, you know, dog eat dog up there. They, they think they were trying to invade when in, in reality we're just trying to nationalise our sport as, as they are. So... Where should the money go, do you think? Like, it, where it hasn't before, or is it Where just, it hasn't been before. Yes, or is it just divided up equally among the... Oh, look, I, I couldn't tell you, Hutto. I'm, look, I, I think facilities are a huge issue, a massive issue in New South Wales, trying to get grounds for uh, not just the, the burgeoning level of juniors that are playing up there, but certainly the AFLW, and, and that's probably the case right around the country. Kate uh, mentioned you know, Northern Territory and, and in and around Darwin. Uh, and Ellis Springs. So, you know, there's, if we want to grow the game up there, there's got to be some cash spent there. Tasmania, I mean, I'm not sure how much that's going to cost, but let's call it 50 a year to get it up, and that's, that's with the help of the Tasmanian government. That's not paying for a grandstand, or uh, sorry, for a, a stadium, but I mean, there are, it's a big industry, isn't it? There are many mouths to feed, um, 
as long as there's a few shekels for the uh, soft cap and the, so we can shut the coaches up, uh, that'll be good. <laughs> They're going to say as long as the media's got enough, uh, a few dollars left to pay the commentators. <laughs> Well, at, at the, my end of the career, I don't, that's probably not my concern, but I can see where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, young Bull, the, the notion of playing injured players in finals and the, the margin call that the individual has to make, the margin call that the coach has to make, uh, whether you keep your powder dry for another day. So there's obviously the, the Petrarca um, playing tonight. And then there's, it's a little bit broader than that when we get to this time of year as well. Yeah, oh, you have to play Petrarca, I reckon. They, they would have done all of their due diligence on it. And it's it's do or die. And he's the best, if not one of the best players they have in the team. And him, at even if he's 90%, is going to be better than what they're going to try to cover him with. I'm taking that risk every day of the week. Um yeah, it's a bit. Is it different to Dusty because Dusty hadn't played, and so the the notion of eighty percent was. I, I I haven't really enjoyed the commentary around that, to be honest. I, I like yes, he was a bit underdone, and yes, that he he hadn't he hadn't played, but like uh, I th- he was still I, dangerous. He was still dangerous, yeah. and he he still played a role. He played as a deep forward. He ended up with what a goal and fifteen touches, and we're all comparing him to when he won a Brownlow and he played the midfield and he's in vintage form and. He's had all the continuity and consistency. Like, cut the guy some slack. Like, he's had a, a horrific year, both on field, personal, and and I, I felt like he probably played his role. Yes, it wasn't the absolute match winner. Match winner, but what did you expect after the time out of the game? I I didn't think it was a bad call to play him. Particularly if you're thinking in to win the flag. You've got to get him started. Absolutely. So yeah. if it wasn't, then when? So, so in the same vein then, but in a different angle, you'll say it's do or die tonight. But they're, they're here to win the flag, aren't they? So, yes, if he doesn't play, you risk, you risk losing the game. But if yeah, they don't win the flag if they don't win yeah, tonight. Yeah, no, correct. Um, I think with think the hairline that... fracture, it's slightly different. It's not going to be much better next week. Yeah. So it's going to be just as big a risk next week. Okay. And so he's just going to have to, to deal with it. I mean, it's... It's not that big a risk. You'd have to get a savage blow in exactly the same spot to open it up to a, to a large degree. So I think they're all confident. The only thing they may do is play more in the forward line. But I, I suspect they'll just play the same way that he's been playing, 30-70, something along those lines. What do you carry as a, as a player when you, you put yourself forward? I'm ready to play. Do you have to deliver against that? For sure, yeah. And I think that's, that's a real mental game. Um, and and I can particularly like well, I've never had an injury like Christian, so it's 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 whether or not you can uh, and and he would have tested it during the week at training. Like he, you'd have to go into the main session, albeit you're not going to do the same load as you are on on match day, but you're going to have to push it near on max, testing it with sprinting and stopping and starting and changing direction. All of that they would have covered all of those bases, which. Is designed to one prove their point of whether he's capable of not applying, but two also help him mentally to make that decision. Because in the end, I, I would suspect with an injury like Christian's, it's more pain management. And you could probably back me up, Jared, but it's, it's more pain management, and it's basically up to him whether he is able to cope with it and deal with it and still perform. And that, and that'd be a decision that he'd have to make. Yeah, I think the thing giving him the most pain would be the contusion. Good to see that word come back into the footy uh, lingo, wasn't it, uh, the language? 
But, the, you know, the bruising around it would be the major issue. I mean, if he gets a direct blow, it's going to be sore. But, uh, you know, I'd, 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 I was going to be staggered if they didn't play. Um, young Bull, did you like that the old Bulls at Richmond got extra years, Trent Cochin and Jack Revolt? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I, I suspect from just listening to particularly Jack speak, you know, it's, it's come at a, at, a, at a pay cut, but that's expected. Uh, but I love his reason for wanting to play on, and uh, I think they're, they're, they'll regenerate. There's, there's some exciting signs with people declaring or players declaring that they'd love to, uh, you know, come across to Richmond. So I think they will replenish and, and still be well within the hunt again next year. And, and I think the loyalty and uh, standing that those two players in particular have at that club, it, it warranted another year. And I think their performances at the back end of the season um, also warranted it. So, yeah, I think it's the right call, absolutely. And I was, I was wrapped for both of them. It's interesting salaries. I mean, we're in this false world of uh, huge money in AFL football, and a player may go down from 800 to 500, and then he may even accept 300 or 275. But in two <laughs> in two more years' time, it's going to be hard to earn 100 out in the, in the wide world. Um, so it's it's given that the pay the pay is so grand at the top level. That uh, it's it's worthwhile hanging around uh, at the lower level. I can tell you right now. <laughs> Suck it up and take absolutely. 300. Oh, mate, I was I would have loved three hundred in my last year, but you know I, I think I think you're right, Jared, and I, and I'd love to see clubs. You know, obviously it's got to be warranted. You've got to back that up with form and fitness yep. and and commitment. Uh, commitment and you know I guess particularly consistency. Uh, mainly with your body and and uh, and with training and performances, but I'd love to see clubs continue to reward reward guys when they're in that position. And eyes wide open for each of them the, that you you mightn't be playing every game. Jack spoke about the yeah. prospect of potentially playing VFL. That you balance, I guess, your legacy at the end with what's required from the team and swallow your ego. I think his legacy would be enhanced if he did that. I don't think there's any way that Jack's legacy could be diminished in any way, shape or form. The same for Cochin. Um, so I, I think that that's old-level old thinking. I think if he's there to assist the club how he can on and off the field, then uh, if he played in the twos, uh, big deal. He may get an injury and have to come back through the twos. So that's not a problem. And I don't think his legacy is in any danger whatsoever. A lot of great players have played in the twos. Simon Madden, I can remember being dropped once by Sheeds, and he just said, he's just got to go back. We've got to sort of break the nexus. We need him to come back, and he went back, and two weeks later, he's BOG. So a different set of circumstances, but uh, no, I don't think that's a problem. And what do you think about Kane's endeavours? Bulls old and young. He's about to go on a run from Adelaide to Melbourne, 60 to 80 clicks a day. Over ten days. No, it's an amazing, it's an amazing person, Kane Corns. He's uh, he's incredibly strong-willed, incredibly disciplined, and uh, he's he's got a passion. And uh, good luck to him. He's putting that passion to to a great cause, and I think uh, he's going to win a lot of fans over it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, it's an amazing feat when you just sit back and comprehend that for a second. How how long are they anticipating it takes? That's 10 days, I think. 10 it's days. Sunday it's 60 to, to 80k a day. That's incredible effort. Um, Any of your old teammates be able to do it, do you think? Oh, not, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. I don't, I don't have anyone that would be even close to capable of that. Um, well, I started to prepare for a marathon. I got three weeks into training and had a bad week with the family and a, a bit of illness, and I 
I can that straight out the door. So how how Kane's pulled off even the preparation for it to, yep. to for his body to be able to cope with it. That's just a, to line up and start it is an incredible feat in itself. And I'm sure um, you know having played against him and, and listened better, to he him, better finish it. Though, I think he, he will no, finish, he it. finish yeah. it. Yeah, he's going to do close checking at the same time <laughs> whilst he's running. <laughs> Bit of old bull, young bull on semi-final night here at the MCG. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel, all-wheel drive models are now in stock and ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. We'll settle into the preview shortly, 25 minutes away from the opening siren. Our commentary team, our Coates Hire commentary team, in place at the MCG. Coats, we're more than hire, we're equipped for anything. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.